Hello, and welcome to the Confidence Academy podcast. My name is Lily Badcock, and I am a transformational confidence coach, helping amazing people to thrive in spite of their anxiety. Each week, I will be sharing a brand new episode, giving you inspiration and motivation, as well as tangible steps you can take to manage your anxiety better. There will also be interviews with guest experts from around the world who have not only overcome their own anxiety, but who now help others to do the same. I believe that having anxiety doesn't mean you can't live an epic life. If you would like more support with this, please head on over to lilybadcock.com and check out the free resources I've created for you. But for now, let's get you on your way to living your epic life anxiety-free. And remember, confidence is yours as soon as you choose it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Confidence Academy podcast and today I am sat here in real life with one of my very best friends in all the land, Alison Barkley. Alison, welcome to my podcast. Hello, thank you. It's great to be here. How weird does this feel? Because Alison and I have just been hanging out all day eating cheese and bread. We didn't eat cheese all day, to be fair, Um, but we have... there was some cheese, There's wasn't there? Cheese involved. There's definitely been cheese and bread <laughs> and smoothies. This inspirational music is going to fade out in a minute. Okay. Don't have to talk all the way over it. I friggin' love it. I've said it before. If you're having, oh, it got louder. If you just had to have one last burst of sound before it left us. Yeah, if you're having a bad day or feeling a bit rubbish, download some inspirational music. Even that, I got that from Audio Jungle, and um. I don't know. I just feel like you should play it in headphones and walk around. <laughs> You'll feel epic. So anyway, welcome to my podcast, Alison. This all feels very formal, but Alison is one of my very best friends, as I've said. I've known her years and years and years. And the reason I wanted to invite her onto the podcast is because the whole point of this podcast is to show people that they can thrive in spite of anxiety or indeed any kind of challenge that they may be up against or may feel like they need to overcome. So I'm gonna give you a brief overview of who Alison is as a person, and then I'm gonna hand over to her and she's gonna tell her story. And I do have a few set questions for her as well. I tell you what, whatever you're doing, just stop it, turn off all your notifications and all of your distractions and just sit down and soak up this goodness. Um, Maybe get a little notebook if you wanna take notes. Um, You have been warned, but there's some epic goodness coming your way. So just to give you a little bit of background, Alison right now is working for the company Nilgeard Remedies. Mm, Is that the full title? Yeah, Yeah, I'm a Um, consultant. Yeah, so Alison's a consultant and it's it's a multi-level marketing business, which a lot of you will have heard of. It's all based around network marketing. And the reason that's uh, relevant is because that's kind of a big part of your story from years ago. This is something that you did before. Um, But the reason that Alison's on this podcast is because she has had to face and overcome probably more adversity and challenges than I would say the regular person has to go through. So just as a rundown, and I'm not gonna go into details, but just as a rundown, these are some of the things that Alison has dealt with in her life. So she lost her dad age 13, she fell into uh, using prescription drugs and actually attempted suicide um, because of that as well. 
She lost her stepdaughter years later with the guy that she was with, who, by the way, was thoroughly abusive. So, you know, horrible, abusive relationship, but then lost her stepdaughter to a really sad accident. And as a result of that relationship breaking down, lost her house, her business, and almost, we wrote everything, but I'm gonna say almost everything, because it wasn't everything, because I knew you then and I'm still here. And Alison also has beautiful daughters who are also my friends, and we still have them too. So not everything, but certainly a hell of a lot. And I've always said, whenever I talk about Alison, which is quite a lot and always in a good way, <laughs> But I always say, and I don't ever go into detail, but I always say that she's one of the strongest people I know because she's been through more than I could even fathom and more than I, you know, when you look around at other people and what they have to deal with, it's more than most people would have to face. And yet she is the brightest ball of glowing energy you could ever hope to meet. She never fails to make me smile at no point. And I knew you through some of these experiences as well. Mm. And I, I have never felt like I couldn't call her. I never felt like I wasn't welcome in her house. She never, I never even heard her complain. You know, I've definitely seen you throw a couple of hissy fits. Um, but you know, one was definitely just because your, your dress at the wedding we were at in France had fallen off the hanger. I mean, that was some epic meltdown. That's you know to make anybody lose it. Yeah, you know, so, you know, I'm not saying this woman's a saint by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> and by the way, never take her to America and let her get hungry. I'm just going to leave that there as well. <laughs> like, that is not that is not where you want to be. Or make me come out of the pool while it's raining. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Oh, no, I have to tell that story. We went to Florida years ago and Alison <laughs> was in the wave pool and they had to close the wave pool because in Florida they have these epic storms in the afternoon and um, Alison didn't want to get out of the pool and so I think 10 year old Alison came out to play and she threw the biggest strop ever and we were like but they're closing the park and I think we were flying home like within the like hours of that time as well I'm not done I haven't finished I was still having fun so yeah no for sure she loses her shit but around these massive life kind of experiences I never once heard a complaint I never once felt like um, I couldn't call on her I never once felt like I couldn't go round and I did go round a lot um, Alison is one of the best cooks in the world fact I challenge anyone to find me a better one um, so you know from that rundown you can see that you know you've definitely been through some stuff and Alison because she, because she's Alison doesn't even see that that's even much of a big deal at times, you know, like even when I said to her, well, you should come on the podcast and talk about it. She's like, well, there's not really anything to talk about. Like, it's just my life. Do you know what I mean? It's so like to you, it's just so like, ah, uh, you know, it, and I know this isn't the case, but it's almost like, well, it happened. I dealt with it and now I'm here and like, it is what it is. You know, you don't see yourself as being anything that's remarkable or amazing but I do, so I'm letting you know that now. My intention is not to try and make her cry in this podcast, but you know, <laughs> secretly maybe that is what I'm trying to do a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to give you that rundown so that you know who we are hearing from. And you know, I think it's so easy, I've said this on previous podcast interviews where we can get into a bit of comparison around what we're going through and what others go through. And that isn't what this is about. But this is really just to say that no matter what you're going through, 
you can have an amazing life off the back of it, whatever that means to you. And, you know, I, I'm sure some of those things I just mentioned, there are going to be people listening who can relate to that. You know, people that maybe people have lost their parents at a young age. Maybe people have had suicide attempts. Maybe people have had, you know, certainly abusive relationships or where they feel like they lost everything and had to start again. And maybe you're listening now and that is your current reality. And that's really what this episode is all about because I want you to see that even after all of that, you know, she's sat here grinning, scoffing cheese on my sofa and all is right with the world. So Alison, welcome. Thank you, thank Yay. you very much. So just, you you just talk at us, you know. This is never, these podcasts are never planned. They're never prepared. What comes out will come out and I do 100% believe that. So tell the good people listening all about you. Um. Well, I, I, th I mean, I suppose really the thing is that I'm just sort of like every man, you know, I'm a, just a, an ordinary um, person, which when you put down some of the things that um, maybe I've gone through, um, yeah, I suppose some of it is extraordinary. I, um, I very much live by, I think it was Churchill that said, if you're going through hell, keep going. And I, and I suppose, um, you know, that that's one of my mantras. And the other one is that, you know, nothing nothing can last so whether it's good whether it's bad whatever it is it has to pass so I think you know I sort of very much try and grab and soak up and take in and make the most of the good things that are happening and pretty much like when I'm on a roller coaster when bad things are happening roller coasters are bad um, <laughs> I, I close my eyes I grip my teeth I clench my fists and I, I wait for it to pass and um there's photographic evidence of this yeah, as well yeah, that is it's exactly. another florida story yeah, that's another thing <laughs> I, i'm not sure i had to test it four times though but anyway i did <laughs> but that i guess that actually as well does in a sense sum me up is uh you know i i um i guess i'm not easily uh scared off from things so um you know even after sort of a bad relationship although i was on my own for a long time which i think was a good thing it didn't scare me off relationships i I didn't think that all men were bad. I knew, I knew that that wasn't true. Um, I just had to make sure I didn't attract um, a horrible person again. And I had to um, give myself time and space to heal from having been around that, which I think I, I did. Um, which all sounds really nice, but it was pretty gritty when you're, when you're actually going through that. You know, when you've lost your home and. And suddenly, you know, you're a grown woman living in the bedroom of somebody else's house and you're suddenly studenty. So for a long while, I think I kind of lost, I lost my identity because prior to that, I had been the person that other people came to. They would come to my home and I would look after them and I would cook for them and I could run them a bath and I could you know, make a bed up for them and I could look after them. And then all of a sudden I was the person that needed to be looked after and um and that was really weird um and i think sort of during that time as well obviously anxiety is high around a, a, a lot of all of that but being in somebody else's house and being you know making sure i didn't burn it down or do certain things that got me really sort of rattled around constantly checking things making sure i had turned the gas off making sure i had to shut the front door making sure i wasn't doing anything and i think also during that time um I, I realised I'd 
I've kind of always made myself outside of my own home sort of fairly small um, try to like not be insignificant uh, and I don't mean this in like oh everyone feels sorry for me kind of way but just in a sort of like I made myself important in my own home that was where I could be so I suddenly had to find a way of um, like who was I outside of the house outside of you know who was I actually in this scheme um, so that that has been um, an interesting painful um, you know in places painful in places amazing um, kind of journey um, and I think that kind of acceptance of you know I would have prior to losing my home always sort of said well I'm a really open you know really whatever kind of person but actually it turned out I defined myself through um, my home I, I said I, you know come in and, and this is who I am you know these are my sofas <laughs> this is, you know it's just um, but it's uh, it was instructive I mean it's if anyone had said how, how do you want to learn about yourself I wouldn't have chosen losing my home not having somewhere for my daughters to come back to um, and and in a sense losing my sense of self um, I would never have chosen that way of learning but um, actually wouldn't wouldn't change it now because I can see if I was still in that home and still in that situation I would actually be stuck um, so weirdly and I hate this but you know the bad stuff was instructive <laughs> and and so I now embrace it now it's over yeah but no I kind of say that in a silly kind of voice but in truth um, the the bad stuff I, I actually do remember crying um, and I think it was to you Lil and going I'm not sure what I'm supposed to learn from this but I will learn and yeah. I mean there's always been that sense in me that you know there was something to learn uh, there was something that um, I would get from this and that it would be better in the end and I think the the, the um, I think the thing is that even even when you know and I still I, I we were talking about this earlier I still do every now and then kind of wake up in a, a state of panic so I, I've I've reframed things when I feel anxious I've decided I'm excited so I've changed the anxious feeling and instead of playing on that thinking um, that I'm being empathic and picking up something terrible that's going on in the world I've just completely dumped that idea and I now go oh what am I excited about um, I try and start each day sort of with a kind of meditation I don't I, I don't get out of bed and do it I'm way too I like my bed um but I stay bed <laughs> I stay tucked in that bed and um and I imagine myself to be a magnet and I imagine myself to draw to me the things that I need for that day I give thanks for for what I'm going to have that day so all of the things that I've kind of like read and over the years you know and the secret and everything that I've I've kind of read feeds into um, saying you know this is what I want this is who I am um, and this is what I'm going to achieve yeah and I, you just said something that reminded me actually because the secret was something you introduced I have to say actually everything that's ever come out of my mouth has probably come out of Alison's mouth first and um, I'd love to say she doesn't like to say I told you so but she does quite frequently she'll be like I told you you'd find that role like you know and like, the secret was one of those things because she was like oh I remember it was me and and another friend of ours and 
she was like, you've got to see this film. And we were like, what is... I used to call you a massive hippie, didn't I? Do you yes, remember? I used yes. to tease you for being a hippie. <laughs> the reason being that, you know, literally... I mean, I didn't know you when the earlier part of your story was playing out. But I did know you when you were in that relationship. And I did know you all through the loss of your house. And it wasn't just that you lost the house. Because some people lose their houses because of falling behind with payments or you know, or for, for different reasons, it was all of the deception you had to deal with that became uncovered as part of that process. Yeah. So it was it was a very multi-layered trauma, I think. It wasn't just that you lost your house. It wasn't just that you lost, you know, that your marriage broke down or that your job, you know, lost all of that as well. It was multi-layered and it, it kept firing back, you know. But what I also remember was as much as I never heard you complain, all I ever heard you say was, this is gonna be all right one day. I'm gonna have a house again one day. I'm mm. gonna, you know, you would, you were constantly affirming. And it wasn't that, I didn't, I never listened to that and thought, oh, she's delusional. I 100% believed you. Mm. And I was actually excited for you as well. And I think that energy speaks for itself. Yeah. And, you know, you are in a house now, you're, you're in your property now, and I know that you know, as we all do, you'll have aspirations certainly to probably, you know, go on and get something else after that. But I remember when I remember when you had that bedroom in that place, it wasn't even a house, was it? It was a bungalow. And, you know, it was, but I never felt like you never stopped being that person that was proud of your surroundings. Mm. I still remember, I still came for dinner. I mm. still remember that we had the amazing beef and red wine sauce which everybody needs. I feel like you should share your recipes, actually. This should just, you know, aside from everything else, the woman's a phenomenal cook. So I feel like we should, I keep begging her to make a cookbook. So I think, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to hear about Alison's recipes, then get on it. Let me know. Get in the Confidence Academy podcast Facebook group or email me on my website, www.lilybadcock.com and tell me I want Alison's cookbook and then she'll have to do it. Okay. <laughs> 30,000 people have power to speak. Um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, that's a really important distinction to make because I know that you wouldn't have always felt like doing, you know, affirmations, meditation or any of these self-care things that we all hear we should be doing. Um, how much of it do you think you did on any level when it was when it was like the darkest time? Do you still think that did you still have times where you kind of self-counseled yourself and was like, it's gonna be better, or this will change, this too shall pass, anything like that? Or did you ever feel like you were just completely stuck and there was no way you were ever gonna get through the bit that you were dealing with at the time? Um, oh, certainly I had <clears throat> times like that, yeah. Um, I think for the most part, whenever you're going through stuff like that, there's almost too much to think about so you literally have to just go day by day because you can't you can't do anything else so um you, uh, you know you 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 do all the things that you're supposed to do and try and eat well and take your nutrition and and kind of do all that. and those things are really important i don't actually mean to skim over that because um i do really think that that's important and i know that there was one christmas or the first christmas when um i I didn't do some of those things and I really was feeling very bloody, very suicidal and, uh, you know, people were very concerned, um, which is, a you know, I feel terrible that, you know, I kind of put them through that. But 
um, then I suddenly, I don't know, I kind of woke up and realised I hadn't been looking after myself um, in that physical way and, and you know, having to um, eat properly and, and do those proper things. So it, it, there is that sort of brain chemistry thing um, as well. But um, I think there, there are times when you just get overwhelmed, when, you know, you think, uh, and I think this is the toughest thing, you know, you think, oh, right, something has gone right. So... You know, I, I was able to get out of um, share, you know, being in somebody else's house and I got my own place. So for whatever reason, I thought everything was on the up and up then. And, um, and then something went wrong. Um, and, and it's like you, I was sort of tumbled back months and months and months. And everything just, you know, I, I just felt completely overwhelmed. Like, oh, it's never going to be right. And I think... Um, it's really difficult if you get into that mindset um, but I think the, the the only thing that you can do and and I'm you know was lucky to have friends around me as well is actually to you know to is to talk to someone actually I said having friends around me if you can't get hold of I did tell someone at a cash tail once she's asked how I was big mistake really. <laughs> and um, and she looked, seat, a, love. <laughs> she looked a little bit blown away when I'd finished <laughs> but to be fair I felt better and I, you know, she, she was in work, so she was all right. But, you know, it, it, it's that kind of thing. And I think sometimes, you know, we underestimate the power of, um, you know, of talking things out, of, of saying out loud um, some of those things. So, you know, there are agencies and there are people and there are, are and I think use them. I did actually ring the Samaritans mm. um, and actually really terribly, it's just terrible, but the line kind of went dead and I realised I was talking to no one and that was a weird feeling. I was like, <laughs> mm, I must have been really boring. Oh no. <laughs> I don't think they hung up. I mean, to be fair to the Samaritans, they're very good people, but I don't think they hung up, but it was kind of like they had like, oh, you've gone on too long. <laughs> but the thing was as well was that I kind of got bored with listening to myself and I suddenly thought, no, I need something different to talk about. So, you know, I did a lot of reading um, and, you know, got my hands on every kind of book I could. And obviously now, you know, there are these kind of podcasts and there are things for people to lock into. And I think that they, these are really important because, you know, that, that whole thing of um, you will get through it. This too will pass. This too will pass. So, yeah, that is my mantra. Yeah, and I want to just touch now on um, some of the ways in which you have dealt with um, the situations, maybe not at the time, but certainly since. And one of those ways was you took a course in stand-up comedy. You went, was it just a workshop to start with? Like a little, because it seemed to be, it seemed to start off like, oh, I'll just give this a go. And then it like escalated. Well, I mean, one of my lines when I was doing stand-up was that, you know, in therapy, when you're talking to people, you're only talking to one person, whereas with stand-up, you're talking to a room full of people. So you get to tell more people um, what a horrible time you've had. Um, but I, I mean, in truth, um, I, th I use humour all the time and I've always, I've always used humour. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the things, and I think it was said on the, um, in, in The Secret, was uh, the, the lady who was facing a health challenge was that they just watched funny films. and. Um, you know and laughed all the time and I think that there has to be that balance when stuff is you know when you have got a lot of stuff going on and it is rubbish you might not feel like watching a funny film and actually sort of initially you might sit there with that whole sort of like uh, 
comedy audience saying, go on, make me laugh. Mm. Um, but, you know, if you can find you're funny, the, if you can find um, some humour, um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think of, a, of an example, um, but, I, you know, just off the top of my head, I think, you know, you have to find, in every situation, um, there is, um, I, I can think of one actually. We, um, it was after my uh, stepdaughter had been killed and, and it was horrible. And um, in a sense, there's nothing to find funny in that at all. But we, um, nobody could be bothered to cook, but we thought we'd better eat. So um, some Chinese food was ordered. And we were sitting, you know, eating this Chinese food. And then um, one of my daughter's boyfriend's friend um, had texted him and said, if there is anything that I can do, let me know. Anyway, this friend was the son of, um, well, his parents owned a really good Chinese restaurant. And Danny read the message out and he went, well, it's a bit late, we've already ordered. <laughs> and we we were just crying with, you know, and laughing at, at the same time. And, um, you know, the, the thing is that there is always something, you know, to kind of break that spell. And, and you know, we laughed for a long time, mm. you know, through tears. But, you know, uh, it was still, it was just, it was just that sort of like one comment. And I think, you know, with, with any, um, any situation, um, I, I think I always, I'm always trying to look for um, the bright side. I mean, you've got the darkness there, and and I don't, I you know, I'm I'm not, um, I, I'm not ignoring it in one sense. I, I know it's there, um, but I, I think the minute you can shine any kind of light on it, it lessens. That's the thing. I think it's not about getting rid of the darkness. I lo I actually love that as a metaphor. The darkness is always there. It's just sometimes it's so light you can't see it. Hmm. And that's the whole point. It's not about trying to get rid of it or trying to push it down. And I know there are some people who there are. I know there are other people who deal with it in a similar way, where they'll find something they love or something that makes them laugh, and then others can judge them for that because they'll say, "Oh, you know, you're not processing your feelings. You're not dealing with that." And and I think, well, even if they're not, that may that's okay because they are processing because it comes in every second you just yeah. have to do what it takes and you know I know it's been I know it's happened to me I've had other friends it's happened to as well where okay it's really easy to look from the outside in and go oh well I wouldn't do that or what you should do is you know there's so much pressure isn't there to like we feel like we have to get back to being okay mm. and it and it's rarely for us either it's usually for everyone around us they desperately want you to be okay so they can feel okay actually that's that's an interesting point but just before i say that you know in doing the comedy mm. um it's interesting you're saying about like living with anxiety um before you go on stage i i i not just speaking for myself because I know with the other people I was around and and it's pretty terrifying you know you you're, you're terrified about stepping out onto that mm. stage but you, you kind of do it anyway um the thing is though it was always kind of said to us that you know when you lose that you kind of lose your ability to care mm. and and I think it might be the same you know with anxiety mm. with without that anxiety in place you might lose something you might miss something there i think anxiety can can give you um 
a different perspective on life and an empathy that you might miss were it not there and I think it can sometimes soften people mm -hmm. um, so you know I don't think it's always all bad no and now I can't remember the other bit that I was going to tell you it was about I said how it's it's the process you have to go through and that other people might have an idea and say oh that wouldn't be what I would do and and I shouldn't do that or, or I wouldn't do that and we are always trying to get back to being okay so that everyone else around us that's the bit yeah, yeah. I, okay I was well. very aware as well certainly when I lost the house um, I was very very aware that I uh, the, the people sort of around me were pained by it and affected by it and I actually realized that oh actually this is easier to go through than to watch someone go through mm. um, and that was a weird sensation um, yeah. I wouldn't want to see anyone going through that and and I mean unless you're sort of in a position to go right look love there's there's a quarter of a million go buy yourself another house um, do you know what was... I did actually <clears throat> check I, I know <laughs> I did actually look I looked at my bank and was like can I help? And it was like, oh shit, I can't, I, can't, I really yeah. can't. But that's the thing. Not um, in that way anyway. <laughs> no, 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 you did help me loads. But it's just, you know, it's not all about money. And, um, and but that that's the thing. It was actually, I realized it was um, easier for me to go through this and deal with this than to watch someone, um, n and not just someone I care about, watch anybody else mm. go through this. Mm. Um, it's, I think it is, um, on the outside watching someone go through something like that um, is incredibly um, painful and, and and very frustrating um, and so you know I mean there's uh, I think it's difficult for families sometimes to be supportive because of that it's mm. sometimes difficult for certain friends if if they're not of that type if they're not um, really sort of open with their own feelings mm. um you know and and that's why people withdraw it's not because they don't care it's because they don't know how to help you or they don't know the words to say to support you i mean you know what what do you say to somebody um in that situation and and i mean i i've literally just been in that situation where you know someone has died and you know i i want to call them to reach out to them and i know they're going to cry mm. and and they actually apologize for crying and i was like uh i think you really know that you do not have to apologize <laughs> to me you know yeah um because you know this, this person knows me quite well and, and was around when my older brother died a few years ago mm. um and you know i was just like you don't need to um be apologizing and i knew that i was going to make you cry by ringing but mm. i just wanted you I needed for you to know that I was thinking of you. I needed for you to feel that I, I am there. So, um, you know, and so sometimes people could be frightened because they're going to make someone cry, but um, we're going to cry anyway. Mm. So, you know. And better to cry in company, for sure. Well, it's I, I prefer to be in private. It's not a good look on me at all. <laughs> I'm a bit of an ugly crier, yeah. I think um, that one thing you said then that I really wanted to pick up on was how um, people are uncomfortable about watching somebody else struggle. And I think that's because we're all mirrors. Everyone that you have in your life mirrors back a part of you. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be really painful because when you see somebody going through, 
grief for any reason, whether it's somebody who's died or a relationship that's broken down or, you know, any terrible experience where grief is being brought forward, um, we naturally look and think, oh, how would I handle that? Mm. Um, what would I, how would I be if that happened to me? Mm. And, you know, it sounds like a really selfish point of view, but that is how our minds work. And we look at that and it's like, oh Lord, like, in fact, I remember someone that you know, because I think I was there when they said it, um, shortly after you lost your stepdaughter. And they literally just were like, how are you coping? Like, this is so terrible. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was, they had nothing else for you. Yeah. But that made you laugh. I remember it. You laughed out loud and you were like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. You know, isn't it? And it's funny that, um, you know, and again, like at no point is the situation funny. But I, you know, you said earlier, oh, it's, it's funny what can make us laugh. And it actually, it often isn't the obvious things. You know, you'd put on a so say funny film. It might not be any of the funny punchlines that make you laugh. But it's actually, I think, when we're faced with something we're already thinking and then we just laugh because we're like, oh, look, someone else thought it too. Like, you know, and the, and you you almost see like the humanity in it. And it's like, oh, it's OK. It's OK that I feel like that. And and I think laughter is a very energetic release as well. Uh, it's, you know, the well, reason... laughter and tears are very close together. Yeah, I was going to say, you yeah. hear people all the time say that they laugh at funerals and obviously they don't yeah. think it's funny to be at a funeral. But you're you're on that knife edge of emotion, and mm. it could literally fall either way. Yeah. So um. So yeah, I think that's super relevant. Now I did map out some questions to keep us on track. Okay. So I will try very hard to do okay. that. So I feel like, you know, to tell Alison's story in its entirety would not be possible on a podcast. And I'm someone who believes everything's possible. But I think to really do it justice and to really get to the root of every little thing we would never be able to do that in a podcast but hopefully we've highlighted some of the main things that you've dealt with and you know people have been able to hear how you navigated it the main message I wanted to get across was you're still sat here and you know and she even washed and brushed her hair you know she looks good people so <laughs> you know it's not you know as as much it can be like a sucking vortex when you feel like you're there because you, at times you do wonder how you'll ever get out and you wonder how you'll ever put another foot in front of the other or how you'll get through the next minute, hour, day, whatever it may be. So the main thing I wanted to get across with this was that in spite of all of that, you are here. And, and I feel like you aren't just here clinging on by your fingernails either. Like I see your life as being one that's very blessed and I know you would say the same yeah, thing I would. yes and you know you are truly happy this isn't just about oh god I survived it and I'm just about clinging on and I know at a time it probably yeah. felt that way but um but I you know I really want to get home to people that you've come through some of the worst I mean that list I read out at the beginning even to go through one of those things would be hugely traumatic so to have been through all of that it's almost like being in, in the sea and the wave knocks you down and then you kind of get yourself up and then another wave knocks you down. But you said this earlier in another way, but basically it comes back down to choice, which always comes out on these podcasts. At some point, you either don't get back up and you let the sea carry you away or you get back up and then you take a step out of the sea. 
which is an advisable course of action to take if you keep being smacked down by a wave. <laughs> but it's not always that easy. That's actually happened to me. I was in, um, I was on the beach in Spain years and years ago now, and I love jumping waves when mm. they're like surf waves. So that's what we were doing, me and my friend. And then one was so massive, it wiped me out, and I got back up. And then as the minute I got back up, I got pulled back down again. And I did feel a little bit helpless for a second. And in a, in a split second, I was like, I might not get out of this. Like I've tried to get back up a lot of times and I'm tired now. Mm. And I think this is the thing, isn't it? The more stuff that get that you get hit with, the more tired you get and the more you start to think, can I get back up? Um, and then I luckily had the, the sight to go, I, I know what, I'll stand up and I'll take a step. <laughs> because I was just standing up and then waiting for the next thing to yeah. hit me. Um, so I think, you know, th that as a metaphor is really powerful because that, to me, that's what life is like. And whether your list of experiences reads like Alison's or whether you feel like me, I feel very blessed in my life. I haven't had, I don't have a list like that. And for a long time, and I still have GAD. So for a long time, I, I was of this mindset of, I have no right to feel this way because I know people that have actual reason to be anxious or to be fearful or depressed or, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, I've, I've also learned since that it really isn't about that and everybody's on their own path, they're on their own journey. But you can make that choice to stand up strong. I've just had another Florida flashback. Alison was in the wave pool, the one I mentioned. <laughs> so before they made her get out, <laughs> before the storm hit, we were in a wave pool. Now the wave pools aren't so, they're not as severe as the sea because you, you know, you can get out. Oh, it depends where you're standing. It was well, pretty strong. Alison was, um, the, this is just a testament of the sort of person you are. She's quite <laughs> diddy, Alison. She's quite little, ickle. And um, she placed herself slap bang in the middle of this pool, probably way deeper than she should have gone for her height and build and waited for this monstrous wave. And as it came towards her, she stuck her fist in the air and yelled strong and true and then the wave hit and she was nowhere to be seen and like I was like uh where's Alison she was not where she had been and then I looked around and she'd been washed some like far distance up the pool like to like scaring children like I'm gonna say the bikini wasn't all in place certainly and the hair was all over the place but you know that I mean that is how I see you in your life it's just like hit me with what you like I'm coming back and you know I might have lost my bikini in the process <laughs> but I'm coming back and you can do that again and I know I'll be okay and you know a lot of my I think a lot of my um my positive attitude and my strong mindset was planted by you even when I like wasn't interested in hearing about it I remember you telling me about Tony Robbins and I'm like Tony what now um by the time I watched The Secret I was kind of into it by then mm. I remember being quite excited about that film um but you know all of the mindset stuff that I talk about now it, it's rooted in what you taught me and I always find it funny because quite often you know obviously we're friends so I hear from Alison a lot and she's bless her she'll always text or email or message or phone and go oh my god like what you just said was brilliant like oh that was so good I really needed to hear that and I always say back that's yours you told me that <laughs> like this isn't new information you know it's and I think that's also something that's really lovely about life and 
you know, these are the people you want to have in your life. It's not about being perfect. And remember this for yourself as well, that, you know, your dearest friends don't need you to be all put together and perfect all the time. We just need to reflect back what we need in our souls. And I know that I've been able to be there for Alison when she's needed me and exactly back the other way. And it's funny because Alison is always someone who we have a bit of a, it's like an unspoken connection, isn't it? Like yeah. quite often I will ring Alison just because I'll feel like I want to ring her. And usually she'll be like, oh, I really needed you to call. Or, you know, it's a terrible day. Like, let me tell you all about mm-hmm. it. Like the poor lady at the cash point. Um, but the same thing to me as well. And not always when it's doom and gloom, but you know, like I was having an epic day of synchronicity recently and slap bang in the middle of it, Alison rang and I just laughed and was like, of course, of course Alison's ringing because <laughs> she always knows when to call. So I would really urge you to, you know, lean on the people that you have in your life and look at the people that you're surrounded by and, and also look at how they see you through their eyes because you know it's interesting hearing Alison talk about her story and how she felt like when you were in that bedroom how you felt you'd lost your identity and how you felt that because you didn't have your space anymore Mm. and yet I never perceived that because to me you still had that space albeit smaller but we I still came for meals we still hung out we still did all of the things. Yeah. No, nothing that mattered actually changed. Mm. It was all the kind of stuff that we see around us that, you know, the things that we think matter, like the bricks and mortar of a house. And, you know, it isn't that. It's the heart and soul that matters. And, you know, no circumstance can really kill that. It mm. can definitely dim it for a while, but it can't take it away. So I think, you know, it's such a powerful story. And so I just wanted to ask for anyone who's listening who resonates with any part of your story. So whether that's to do with the, you know, um, the relationship breakdown or the prescription drugs or like any part of the story that we covered, what do you want to tell them? Especially if they're dealing with that right now. Like imagine Alison back in whatever year it was when you would have desperately been searching for something to help. What would you have needed to hear in that moment? Um that it is going to be okay I think I think that to you have to have that hope Mm. hold on to that hope Um, whatever it is that you are um, wanting to happen really truly just focus on that Um, the other stuff is going to come up but try and scribe it from your mind and then get back to what you want and sometimes it is a fight I mean, I can remember just as a small child trying to uh, even just visualize myself running. I couldn't run even in my imagination. And, um, but I, I, I kept going and I forced myself to run in my imagination. And I think that, you know, the good stuff is sometimes harder to um, make happen. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just how we're programmed. I have no idea. Mm. But you can overwrite that program. And I think you do it with uh, what you read. You do it with the words that you use. And you do it with your imagination. And I think that you have all of those tools and you just have to use them to make the life that you want. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think that's it's so important to, to get that across as well because 
I know that when you're in the middle of it, it's not always easy to hear that because it's very easy to go, oh, it's okay for you, but this is me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, you have to honour that too. I do remember sort of like saying, oh, yeah, blah, 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 lovely, lovely, let's all be happy and hold yeah, hands. Yeah, because well, I... That kind of attitude, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, this is the relationship Alison and I have got. We're, we're, <laughs> it's very confronting at times because, you know, a good example actually is even earlier today when my laptop decided it wasn't going to load and I had another <laughs> podcast interview lined up. So I'm getting a bit shitty with my computer because it won't won't go. And Alison, like Yoda, sat in the corner going, <laughs> you need to send it love. You need to, like, you know, get rid of that negative... Look away from the screen and send it love. And, like, and I literally was like, I know she's right, but I don't want to. <laughs> I just want to rage at my computer right now. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, so we're really good at... Kind of, we always come and tell the other one what we know we need to hear. Yeah. And I can't remember what it was. There was something not even that long ago where this ha- this hardly ever happens. It's the only time it's happened where we met for coffee mm-hmm. and I was in a terrible place that day, really depressed. And if it had been anyone else, I'd have cancelled the coffee meeting. Yeah. But I was like, no, it's Alison and, and we always show up when we need it and so she's going to help me. And I walked in and you were having exactly the same kind of day. <laughs> and we literally both just sat there like, today is shit. <laughs> and like we were trying, like no one had, had any kind of positive... I've got nothing to give. Nothing yeah, no, there was give. nothing to give. But, you know, I think the shared rage definitely helped. I think we probably ended up laughing. We did end up laughing. Yeah. We ended up chatting to some old guy in the corner who was he was earwigging about Neil Jard and he wanted to know <gasps> about... coffee yeah it was it's really funny so um, we haven't even gone into half of what Alison does now I mean she really is thriving she's back doing her business which is what she's good at Alison's a real people person she's always been good at building relationships and making people feel awesome and she now does that through her business with Neil Jard and we didn't even get into the power of aromatherapy and the oils and all the rest of it so you'll probably have to come back on and we'll do a whole separate thing about that um, it's just to know that, you know, it is possible to come through no matter how tough your situation is, no matter how hopeless it seems, just know that it is possible if you choose it. And obviously you always get to stand in your power and you always get to make those decisions. But I hope that listening to podcasts like this will help you get to a decision like that. And I know that I speak from my own experience, your friends and your family are going to truly be so grateful when you're able to come through that and again it's not about perfection it's just about getting through another minute another second even um so i just want to finish on there was a couple of questions that we didn't cover but we kind of did through the conversation we had anyway um but if you had a megaphone and the ability to reach every anxiety sufferer in the world right now what would your inspiring message to them be keep going Keep doing the good stuff for yourself and um, and keep putting one foot in front of the other because what you're aiming to be or, or where you're aiming to be, you will get there. And that's all that's ever expected of you. It's just one more step. Mm. Like nobody needs to climb a mountain, although you will get to the top of the mountain. But uh, nobody, nobody is expecting you to do that. It's just about, it is just that next step or take another breath, just one more thing and yeah i love it i love it i love it i love it alison thank you so much if people wanted to find out more about the neil job because as i said we didn't really get to go into it but 
uh, we did have um, a small conversation before we went live on air about some of the oils that you can use and some of the oils you do use yeah. to help reduce feelings of anxiety. Mm -hmm. That I mean, I know I don't know a lot about aromatherapy, but I've met people who are really into it and it's super powerful. And I know mm. I did do a workshop once where we made our own aromatherapy stick and she helped me choose a combination of things that would combat anxiety. Yeah. And whether it was placebo effect or, you know, I mean, it could have just been some stick that she'd weed on for all I know. But every time I sniffed <laughs> it, I felt better. Yeah. I really hope she didn't wee on the yeah. stick. That would have it's made better. me sad. But, you know, the power of it is is strong. So if people wanted to find out more about that side of what you do, mm -hmm. or if they just want to connect because they've resonated with anything you've said and they want you to offer them further support or they just have questions maybe about you know, a step they can take or something they can do, how could they reach you? Right. Obviously there is the, the Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Alison's, well, you're already in that I think, aren't you? So yeah. um, you can tag Alison in the Facebook group, but if they want to reach out directly, how would they do that? Well, any one of those, I mean, you can put some of those up. Lovely stuff. So I'm looking at her very spanky business card. So you can reach out on email to alison.gk19 at gmail.com. There's also a website, uk.nyrorganic.com forward slash shop forward slash Alison Barclay. Don't panic if that's a load of gobbledygook because I will put all of that in the podcast notes. And Alison also has a Facebook page and a Twitter account as well where you can reach her. Uh, but it just remains for me to say to Alison, thank you so much for coming over. Thank you so much for being my beautiful friend and for oh, being on you. my podcast. I'll definitely get you back on. And um, we want her to write her book, don't we, everybody? Yes, we do. <laughs> write your book and get those bloody recipes out to the world because they are phenomenal. Okay. Thank you so much for You're being welcome. here. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. To everyone listening, thank you so much. I hope you got a lot out of this. As always, if you have any questions, do get in touch. You can reach me on my website at www.lilybagcock.com. You can also go over to the Confidence Academy podcast Facebook group and tag me in there. But in the meantime, have a wonderful week. Be kind to everyone and I will see you for next week's... I won't even see you. You'll hear me in next week's podcast episode. And remember, confidence is yours as soon as you choose it. Massive love. Bye-bye. And that's us done for another episode. I hope you're now feeling uplifted, inspired and motivated and ready to start making those positive changes starting today. If so, why not head over to the Confidence Academy podcast Facebook group and let us know in there what inspired action you'll be taking as a result of listening to this episode. We will support you and cheer you on every step of the way and help to hold you accountable as you create your epic life. My thanks again to Alison Barkley. And if you have any feedback for the show or suggestions about future topics you'd like us to cover, please follow the link in the podcast notes and get in touch to let us know. We'll be back soon with another new episode and another amazing guest expert. But until then... Look after yourself, dream big and live bigger. And remember, confidence is yours as soon as you choose it.